Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman of the Action Network, joined as always by my BFF, my companion, professional better, New Jersey's finest, Mr. Simon Hunter. What's going on, brother? Chad, Chad, Chad. Look at us. Just a couple of minches cutting it up. A couple of uh, multi-millionaires having a laugh together. Oh, what, a, what a life we live, buddy. What a life we live. Simon is referring to the fact that yesterday, the Action Network, which we launched in January of 2018 to be the premier sports betting media and product uh, company in the world, serving sports bettors wherever they are, however we can, through our award-winning app, through our award-winning podcasts, through our award-winning content from people like Chris Raybon and Sean Corner, but not people like Matthew Friedman. Yesterday, we were sold to a company called Better Collective, which is a publicly traded European company that focuses on the betting and affiliate space in Europe. They are looking to continue to grow in the U.S., They bought the Action Network for $240 million. It's been exciting news at Action. We uh, told the team yesterday at three o'clock, the news broke shortly thereafter in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I'm not sharing anything that, that people can't look up themselves. Obviously, super exciting for everybody at Action, super exciting to, you know, so many of the people at Action have been here for an extended period of time and been... Uh, so integral into dedicating themselves uh, to building this three years later to sell for for that kind of money is just astonishing and surreal and exciting and, um, you know, really good news. You know, we're overwhelmed by it a little bit. But um, the good news is that we get to keep operating uh, our content the way we've been doing it. Podcast doesn't change. The content we're putting out doesn't change. How we will do our jobs day-to-day creating doesn't change. So for listeners, it's, you know, the same as always. And that's, you know, fundamentally awesome. I yeah, just re- instead of, uh, instead of you been a couple thousand, you're because back a couple hundred thousand now. So it's just a little different, but the content, of course, will be the same. Me and Chad still want to win money. We still got Matt Freeman here. He wants to win his props. Nothing's changing. We all just want to win money. So just a crazy day, man. I, I can't get over it. I just would love to know. How do you even sleep? Like when I, like on Thursday night after that draft, I couldn't sleep. I was just so amped up. I didn't go to bed till like five, six in the morning. Like, what did you do like last night? Did you just drink until you could pass out? Like, I don't even get how you could sleep after a day like that. We keep mentioning Matthew Friedman. He is on the podcast as well. He's patiently waiting to be uh, invited into the conversation. Of course, he is our draft expert uh, who made nearly 300 draft bets and put him in the app and had a successful, amazingly successful run during the draft. Friedman, you're welcome to interject at any time. Um, Chad, as we know, the less I talk, the better things tend to go. In fact, I'm amazed that my presence in the company didn't kill the deal. I was a little bit worried about that, you know, that uh, maybe we would never be able to sell the company because Friedman was employed here. So I'm glad to know that I was not the impediment. It was close though. Believe me, it was very, it was very close. Yeah. They reviewed every contract and they were like, feels like compared to the output, compared to the quality, this guy not really pulling his weight. And I'm like, 
listen, I don't tell you. Like he came, What does he do here? He really? Came, he came with the with one of the companies we bought when we formed when we formed Action. For two years, I didn't even really know what he was doing or that he was working here. It was pretty inconsequential. And then all of a sudden, everybody kept saying, Freeman's trying this, Freeman's trying this. I'm like, who? What is he doing? And then now we're here and you know, you're stuck with us for a little while longer. Last night, I worked until like six. Uh, returning phone calls, catching up with people. I tried to, you know, I slacked uh, a lot of folks on the team. I had phone calls with a lot of folks on the team who had questions. Uh, I was returning like, you know, buddies texting me like, dude, what the fuck just happened? This is insane. Then I went downstairs. My wife had picked up dinner and she goes, she goes, (laughs) she goes, she went to one of my favorite restaurants in West Hartford where we live. She goes, I just want you to know I used gift cards for dinner. Uh, which, which I laughed. We had a couple of drinks. I continued to return texts and calls. And then I just, I was spent, man, like got in bed, ready to just watch like one show. And the only show I wanted to watch, it turns out we were caught up. It was the, it was mayor of Easttown. And so I just sat in bed returning emails and texts all night. It wasn't even that exciting of a night. And I've, I had one too many drinks and it made me pass out. Yeah. It sounds Chad, a great night. Chad, I have a question. Do you find that you are the type of person who doesn't know how to celebrate well? Like, yes. like, like once, like once there's something big that happens, you don't feel the euphoria that you think you would feel. It's just sort of like, all right, uh, that happened. And now I move on. Well, that's a great question. And as you know, I'm incredibly accomplished and you know, I've written seven books, four of them were bestsellers. I, uh, I saw the Cubs win the World Series I, uh, as a human being. I ran an award-winning magazine that we essentially had to start over from scratch because when we moved it from New York to Connecticut, 70% of the staff left and you know we hired great people and they turned it into something outstanding. And then I got to run ESPN Digital, which was a blast, uh, but not a big celebrator. This one felt definitely worth celebrating. Like even, you know, you can always look at it. Uh, I always look at it like, how do my kids respond or how do my wife respond? Because there's nobody less impressed with me or my life than them. And at one point, a buddy was texting me and he was texting me and it was me, my wife and his wife on the chain. And they were excited and it's, you know, my closest friend in the world and they were they were enthusiastic about seeing the news. And uh, my wife said, I'm reading a story about when Chad left ESPN for action because the news broke in the Wall Street Journal when I left ESPN uh, and we launched action. It was also an exclusive in the Wall Street Journal. And um, she was reading the story and she's like, I she 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 was just genuinely proud. And so uh, that was exciting that. Uh, and also look, it's a big fucking deal to, to, to sell a company for a significant amount of money. And obviously I'm like the least important person in the process of selling the company. It was our CEO and, uh, Patrick Keene and Melissa Betts who runs our finance team and Ari Barad who runs, who's our COO. They did all the lifting on it. Um, but to be a part of it is cool. And so, yeah, totally, totally celebrated that. My favorite part of this whole thing was Chad said he wasn't going to rant for 10 minutes before he came on. And I think we just hit the 15 minute mark. So props to you, Chad. You're the best, man. Don't ever change. (laughs)
Listen, well, I'm like a, a wind-up toy. You ask me one question, and then you can go take a nap. I love it. I love it. That's it. That's it. Um, but obviously super exciting and uh, nothing else is going to change as far as, you know, as far as like people who listen to this or, or engage with the Action Network, this, mean, this will mean zero to them. Yeah, eventually I'm just going to have an AI version of Chad. Once he does just leave me and go to some like a beach in Hawaii or whatever, I'll just be talking to some AI version of Chad, which who knows? It might be the same show. Maybe this guy, the AI won't pick her cousins instead of taking Justin Herbert versus Joe Flacco. Who knows? Uh, let me say this. My unit size, as far as my bets, not going to change. I'm still the same person I've always been. And I will still make the same bad decisions that I've always made. Uh, love it. Count on it. Like inviting Matthew Friedman on this podcast. Absolutely. I, I mean, I hope to be a guest on many more horrible episodes for years to come. Well, I think we're going to, I am looking forward to making that happen. A hundred percent. And the reason we had you on the podcast, we do, we got to do a lot of draft recap. Look, last week was fucking insane. And so, um, Friedman tweeted out, how many picks did you make in the draft? 298. 298 bets on the draft, which is like... Awesome. Just, just insane. It's right? degenerate. You, yeah. you, went up, you went big, then you were up like... I, I forgot how much it was. Wasn't it above 20 units though, dude? Like you killed it. I think it was 28. 28 units. I mean, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great weekend. There was, there's a guy who tailed a lot of my bets, not all of them. He was much more judicious and he won 90 units. I, I mean, no. I, I feel like there were times when I got in my own way and, you know, sometimes when I was, you Backer. know, yeah, buying, you know, buying high and selling low, uh, you know, on certain players. But, uh, you know, for me, I entered the process wanting to have a lot of volume in it. Uh, and so firing whenever I thought I had an edge, that's what I did. It could have been a massively great week uh, if a couple of things had happened for me, one of which Trevon Morig, if he had been the number one safety selected, fantastic week, that didn't happen. Uh, or if Mac Jones uh, had gone number three, that would have helped. But as it was, it really didn't hurt that much because I still had hedged appropriately uh, with Trey Lance. You know, So it all, it all worked out and it was a really fun process. So the Mac Jones pick was fascinating. Simon, let's reset the scene for people. Thursday morning, we are recording the Thunderdome, Matt Mitchell's brilliant brainchild. And before we start recording, you, it's the day of the draft. You hold up one of your phones and you, you say, this bad phone, if it goes off, I'm going to have to bounce off. Uh, explain every, everything about what you were doing on Thursday, what you were hearing and how Thursday worked out for you uh, because Mac Jones did not go number three. It's tough. Cause I try to try to be as humble as I can on this show because people don't want to hear all this bullshit. They don't want to hear me like bragging about sources and shit like that. But yeah, man, I wake up Thursday morning, 3am and it's just never ending, not just BS, but just people hitting you up, telling you what they're hearing. And like I told you, my job is to try to figure out what's legit and what's just total smokescreen BS. I would say just even three weeks before when the whole thing came out about Mac, again, I don't think I'm better than these people grading quarterbacks. But when I saw that, it just didn't make any sense to anyone where it's like even the lamest person who is terrible at grading quarterbacks has Mac as their fifth quarterback. He was just unanimous. He was the fifth guy. 
I pretty much had told you even weeks prior, I've been betting the Mac over three and a half. I just been kept, I kept betting it because I kept trusting that I knew something was off here and that it was kind of all bullshit. Luckily, I, I have a source who I do really trust. The bells will start going off that maybe Trey Lance was a guy going. So by Wednesday, this had caught fire and tons of people had heard about this. They heard about this, started a snowball. And then by Thursday morning, I've been getting kind of hearing stuff about it. I gave that a plus 300. I gave you Trey Lance or whatever it was, a plus 250, plus 300. It was a stressful day, especially you made me do that article and that video. And I was just like, I went from, you know, 100 people hitting me up to thousands of people. I mean, my DMs, dude. That's what's like insane. Or just the negativity. People just want us to fail so bad where it's like, I'm giving good information. I trust information. I wouldn't put it out there unless I believed in it. Because like I told you all the time, I, I don't want to look like an idiot. That's the worst thing ever. Like, it's the worst to put your name out there on something like that and look like a jackass. So, dude, when that, the longest one minute of my life was him walking out there announced that pick. Like, it, when he said Trey Lance, in my head, I heard Mac Jones. Like, I literally fell to my knees in the room I was with all these people because I heard in my own head it was Mac Jones. And someone's like, dude, dude, it was Trey. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, yeah, man, it's the high of highs, but at the same time, the stress, dude. That whole day was just stress. You literally, in your head, heard him say Mac Jones when they announced the pick. I got, sh- I literally fell to my knees. It was like someone just sh- sucked all the air out of me. I like shrieked. Like the whole party just like went silent. I just shrieked the time. I was like, ah, I just fell to my knees. I saw his mouth say Mac Jones. So I think it's just the stress level. I hadn't, I've been up since 3 a.m. and I was drinking all day just because, you know, I'd done my job and I just, all that left is the result. So it was just one of those where I was in a room full of people who had also bet on Trey Lance to get a third pick with me. And it was just like, Oh my God, I'm surrounded by a pack of wolves right now once I heard that announced. But thank God, man. Thank God for Trey Lance. When you're drinking like that during the day, what are you drinking? I mean, if we're being totally honest, I just ate a bunch of edibles. <laughs> I probably had a couple of beers, but I just try to help the anxiety, dude, because the stress level, it's the worst. Like, I don't eat, I don't go to the back. Like, I'm just zonked, like, out of my mind because it's just the amount of money I know I personally have, but the amount of people that have trusted me and put their own money. It's just like the kind of stretch where it's like, I just want to come through for these people. Like I put in the work, I, I, I'm praying to God that my work is correct because no one wants to lose, especially when, when it's this amount of money. So if I was drinking my, my go-to for like a relaxing thing like that is, I know people are going to hate on it, but it gets me drunk is Long Island iced tea. I love Long Island iced teas. Are you fucking kidding me? I know, dude. It's the, the childish thing ever, but I've always just, I, that's my go-to. I love Arnold Palmer, so. It's a go-to for me. I just sip on it. I, I make an auto palmer and I throw vodka in it pretty much. It's not really a Long Island iced tea, but it gets me drunk. I can't, I can't really talk much about uh, Simon's uh, alcoholic preferences. I will say that draft day for me is the most stressful day of the year. Because, and especially this year, I'm not going to say I had like the entire bankroll on this, but like a significant portion of the bankroll was invested in this one event. And granted, it's like one event comprised of all of these smaller correlated events. But, you know, like I, I was significantly invested in this. Plus, we have a lot of content that's coming out that day. Plus, I have mock drafts that are due that day. And, you know, like I want to do these mock drafts well. Uh, and I, I finished number 19 in the Fantasy Pros contest. Sean Corner, by the way, I think finished number six, just randomly submitted a mock draft and finished, uh, you know, with a very good, maybe he was actually number five, but he was up there. So, you know, we did well, but this was a stressful day. I, I love the draft more than anything else in the world, but I like, I'm right there with Simon. Like my stomach was just a knot the day of the draft. How much time do you think you ended up 
putting into researching the draft? It's months. It's from the minute the Super Bowl ends and really even before that. But the minute the Super Bowl ends to uh, even today, you know, like the draft is over, but all of yesterday I was finishing up uh, the top 50 rookie dynasty rankings. Uh, and so it's months of focus on these players, you know, going through the process, thinking about the draft and thinking once they've been drafted about what their future looks like from there. It's, it's months. Do you love it because it's a betting opportunity that you think can be tapped and it's markets that have, have sort of opportunities there? Or did you fall in love with the idea of analyzing the draft? I joked I do remember when you sent a memo to me and Scott Miller, uh, who is now one of our product geniuses, but at the time was running our content day to day. I remember you sending the memo and saying, I want to cover the draft. And I very distinctly remember it. Uh, I joked that I didn't read it and didn't even know you worked for us, both of which might've been true. But I did respond that I felt like Okay, sounds good. Like, I don't know if the guy doing anything better, so he might as well do this. But did you do it because you wanted to be Mel Kuyper and you love football or because there's betting markets to, to win at? Well, I feel like at that time, and I think that was the Baker Mayfield draft. Uh, and I should say, like, the, the line movement that we saw with Mac Jones and Trey Lance was very reminiscent of the line movement we saw three years ago with Baker Mayfield. When I saw that line movement, that's when I knew that it was Lance. But it was that draft and for the first time in multiple books, at least that I had seen, you could bet on the draft. And so I think some of the in with you of being able to say like, hey, there's actual something actionable with this content that I can create. I think that made it a little more palatable to you, but I've been obsessed with the draft forever. And it's not really even like wanting to be Mel Kuyper because like, that's not really my angle on it. It's just, it's more from the fantasy perspective. I'm obsessed with these guys as prospects, uh, you know, obsessed with projecting them to the NFL and thinking about from the fantasy perspective, what that is going to look like. You know, if a guy enters the league, is he going to be a hall of famer? Like, is he going to have 10,000 yard seasons? Like, what is it going to mean in terms of the overall production? And that correlates to thinking about like, what's he going to be as a professional, but it's slightly different. You know, Mel Kuyper is great at his job. He looks at hundreds, I mean, thousands of prospects. He does it with film. I hardly ever look at film. Like I'm not a film expert for me. It's, it's in the numbers and it's uh, really in the data of looking specifically at mock drafts uh, and coming through those and seeing who's an expert there and having that provide an edge. But it's uh, I mean, it's a fun process, but never did I think I'm going to be Mel Kuyper. It was just, I love the draft and uh, I have this time from February to, you know, May when I'm not really doing anything, I could be doing this. Simon, did you get into the draft because you saw the betting opportunity? It was a good way to get ahead on what you might need to do for football. Where, like, what are you doing to, to understand it? Yeah, I would definitely say that people need to understand how much the draft has changed. Like he was just saying like 2018, that sounds about right. When it started being like more legalized across America. So there was more books, but pretty much Vegas really wasn't into the draft. Like they would give props, but it wasn't great value a lot of the time. And like 
because Vegas knew they're the only show in town. Like there was nowhere else to go. So they really knew they didn't have to really expose themselves because they get it. Like the advantage we have compared to the regular season where, yeah, we have some advantage on weeks because they hang, they hang a bad number and different things like that. But the draft, I would say for years, the cap was about a grand, man. Like you would try to get down more than a grand. It just was not happening. And it's advanced now where you can get down a lot of money on the draft. And folks are always trying to offset all the action they have on the draft. So I love it. Um, I've taken a step back a little bit this year where I still do a lot of film study and everything like that, but I really focused mainly on quarterbacks the last couple of years. Um, I mean, we can get into all that because I know I'm sure dying to talk about quarterbacks, but uh, it's it's definitely one of these things where I, I, I try to keep putting it out there and people really weren't understanding it where, again, these guys are great at doing mocks, but to fade the noise, that's how you make a profit a lot of the time here in these drafts. And Again, I kept putting out there for weeks to fade the Mac over three and a half, and it just never ending BS from people. Just like never ending because people just don't want to hear it because they're already staunch in their bets. But I just try to have people look at it that these mock guys are really good, but at the same time, they're they're doing their best to try to guess something that's going to happen. It's it's impossible to predict how these GMs are going to do things. So, like he just said, Matt Matt had a great year, and he was talking about Sean like having a great year. That's like really impressive to get that many right out of the picks because. You never know what teams are going to trade up or do things weird. Like the Oakland Raiders, no one's probably, I mean, I know like the other year they drafted a running back. That was an easy bet. You never know who Oakland's going to take. And every time they do something weird, like what they did this year, taking the no lineman, like way before you're supposed to go, that kind of has a ripple effect in a lot of people's mocks and drafts. So again, when you're trying to bet these things, I would definitely try to go with big plus numbers because like not all of us can be like Freeman here where we're doing tons of bets like that. It's, it's easier to track if we're doing a smaller amount, especially at a plus number, it's a little easier. But if you're like Matt and there is a ton of advantage, I mean, you can make every year you're going to make a profit. I've never had a negative year betting on the draft and I've yeah. been doing it now for eight, nine years. So it's one of those where I love the advantage and the fact that books are taking more money and now the future of it. I just love the way it's going with gambling. Yeah, Simon, to your point, I've never had a negative year. This is the one event where everyone can say they're positive and it makes sense. Like people are obsessed with the draft. They know more about the draft, about the prospects than the bookmakers do. You know, like it's the one area because it's information, the one area where I think a lot of people actually do have an edge over the bookmakers because the bookmakers just don't care as much as obsessed sports fans do. Yeah, and like the stuff that leaks, like we all knew Gettleman had leaked early. He liked Devontae Smith. He leaked it like two weeks prior. So that under 11 and a half, that was an easy bet. Sure, I got lucky. The Eagles trade up, snatch him right before him. But it's one of those, like the Pittsburgh with the running back. Najee Harris over under was sitting at 24 and a half for a long time, maybe the whole week leading up to the draft. And you kept hearing Pittsburgh was going to take a running back with the first pick, sitting at number 24. So like you just said, there's always these advantages where the bookmakers have to they pretty much have to play on it. They're on a, you know, they're trying to play both sides. They can't have too much liability on one side. So like he just said, that Trey Lance line movement, that was simply because they were just getting pounded on a plus number and they needed to like even it out with the offset, what was happening with Mac. So it was really fun to watch all those numbers moving. Cause you just saw how things were just steaming from, you know, as soon as I told you 11 AM to one o'clock, the line had moved by 200. So that's, that's the most fun for me on the draft day where it's, you get this inside information you see the line move and you're just like, wow, nailed that one. So that's, that's like, you know, the best. Cause you know, football, we don't get that kind of crazy movement the day of the games, unless there's something crazy. happening. so I love the draft. I know we, 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 we've gone too far now about how much we love it, but yeah, we love the draft. Well, I think a lot of people love the draft. You can see it in the ratings. You could see it in the response. You could see it in our audience uh, in action in the app and 
on the web. Um, it, it continues to be one of those things. It, it's almost like social media for linear. Something's always coming up next. You're always like, let me see this one more thing. Let me see this one more thing. Let me see this one more thing. And it's hard to walk away from it. As a Bears fan, we have not talked about Justin Fields. We have not talked about the quarterbacking. We have not talked about Zach Wilson. Um, the fact the Bears didn't get out of the, didn't get in their own way. They made the right moves. They not only drafted Justin Fields, who I love as a quarterback, and I have a bias. Not like I'm studying quarterbacks the way you guys are, but I just have a bias against quarterbacks who have consistently performed at the highest levels at the highest level. And Justin Fields has done that. Um, Trevor Lawrence has done that. Zach Wilson has not done that. Trey Lance has not done that. Mac Jones has not done that. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are the only two quarterbacks in this draft who for consistent periods of time uh, over multiple seasons did exactly what they were supposed to do and lived up to every expectation. For me, that was a no-brainer to get Justin Fields and go all in on Justin Fields and to get a lineman in the second round. I don't know why it took the Bears, you know, Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace five fucking years and the threat of firing to get it right, but they finally got it right. Justin Fields, give me yeah. a take, Friedman. Chad, this, this was amazing. I think they had the best draft. And it wasn't just getting Justin Fields. It was the way they did it. They, they were incredibly intelligent with how they did this. Because look at the 49ers who moved from 12 to 3. Of course, they had to give the 12 pick in that trade. They gave away two future first rounders and a third rounder. They overlevered themselves with that trade. And then you compare that to the Bears who were smart. If they had done this before the draft, they would have had to go all the way up to four to ensure that they get their guy. But they waited. They were opportunistic. They let a quarterback fall down the board. It's so much easier to trade from 20 to 11 than 20 to four. So yeah, they had to give away one future first rounder, but they're still getting value because they got the number two quarterback in the class in Justin Fields. And then they did it again with Tevin Jenkins, who should have been a first rounder. I mean, he's a first round caliber offensive lineman and to get him in the second round to move from 52 to 39. Yeah. You have to give away a third rounder to do that, but you come away from the draft with a quarterback who can potentially change your franchise and a, a left tackle who can protect him. You win the draft. If you do that, regardless of whatever you do for the rest of it. So they absolutely nailed it. We assume yeah, it's that's... all about you assume, but it's all about the process. And with the information we have now, they could not have played the market any better than they did. And uh, what do you want, Chad? You want me to be positive or you want me to be the storm, bring the negativity? What do you want? I want realism. I, listen, I just so... want realism. I want he, here's one for you throughout the entire experience with the Action Network. Uh, from the day we launched uh, the Churning Group, which, which uh, you know, owned the business, started the business, Mike Kearns, who ran, uh, who runs digital for the Churning Group. This was his idea. He's the one who recruited me. Uh, and uh, he would always say, we need to be intellectually honest, meaning you can't, you have to look at the numbers devoid of any emotion. You, you, 
whatever your biases are, you have to leave them at the door uh, when you're looking at the business. And we did. Like there were times where things were not going well and we had to be intellectually honest about decisions we made and what we were trying to do and all those kinds of things. And the draft, I want intellectual honesty from you, Simon. I don't need so to what- be placated. <laughs> well, we all love the draft because it's just it's like before the season starts, you just have the highest of hopes. You see the way things can go. You know, the Jets just got a new quarterback. They're feeling good. The Bears just got a new quarterback. They're feeling good. So, Chad, as you know, I love history. It's one of my favorite things. I love I history. And it's I love it so much because history just keeps repeating itself. And it's just never anywhere. You can fight history as much as you want. But little things will always lead you back to the same end result. And you can look through history, anything, and even the situation we're in right now globally, you'll be able to find something like it happening at one point in history and you can find the result. So what do we know about the draft? We know that in the history of the NFL draft, I mean, just in our lifetime, we've had two drafts, I would say the last 30 years, that produced three really good Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? And, you know, who knows? 2018, it could work out. We have the Baker. He could be legit. Josh Allen could be legit Lamar, Sam Darnold. We already know Rosen's done. So we, we get how rare it is to have a bunch of quarterbacks work out. So right now we have five quarterbacks got drafted in the top 15 picks. So if, if we're all gambling, man, who would we bet on to be the first boss? We bet on Zach Wilson. That kid looks like he just went through puberty. He looks shook being around these other dudes who like were throwing up like signs and stuff like he did not look like this dude's going to be able to handle New York. And he's too good looking, which people might hate me saying that. I swear, people talk about all the time. There is something to that. You can't be too good looking. He is way too good looking. Like, how can I this struggle guy... with it every day? It's a it's yeah. a handicap for me. <laughs> um, but no, I'm joking. Of course, he he could work out. Like Matt said, we have no idea what's going to happen with the coach in there, what scheme they're going to put him, and how they're going to support him. But when I look at Fields and Bears, it's people keep talking about Ohio State don't produce quarterbacks. Guess what? The Bears don't produce quarterbacks. So. It's like the meeting of two perfect storms. We have a franchise that can't draft, can't produce quarterbacks in the last 40 years. And we have a college that cannot produce good caliber starting quarterbacks. So I can't wait. I love it because I love Fields. He was my number, my number two rated quarterback. I have the highest hopes. But I, I told you, Chad, I'm a fan of history. So I will be fading the Bears and Fields the next coming years just on the simple fact that this is what the Bears do. They can't draft. And they're just bad with quarterbacks. So I know it's painful to say, Chad, I'm, but it's the gambler in me, man. I, I have to just look at it non-biased. Of course, I want him to work out. I want it to be great for the Bears. But we all know what's going to happen here. We're going to be sitting here in four years, and Chad is just going to have drafted a quarterback, and he's going to be convincing himself like he is right now. So it's the hard truth, but I, I definitely hope I'm wrong. Oh, my God. If we're sitting here in four years and having that conversation and Friedman is still a part of it, I will have made so many bad decisions since we sold this company. Yeah. Chad, what you can do is you can actually just be negative on it right now so that if it doesn't go your way, you knew it was going to happen. And if it works out with fields, then you can be pleasantly surprised that that is maybe the mindset to have here. I am so enthusiastic about Justin Fields up until the moment Simon said, Ohio State doesn't produce quarterbacks. The Bears can't coach quarterbacks. Up until that moment, I was in love with everything that they had done, and you just made perfect sense. All it takes is one, man. He could be your Neo, you know? He could be your savior. So he could be the glitch in the matrix. It's to be seen, but 
just as a gambler, it's just one of those where I have to look at the situation and the history. It's just like this team usually messes up. So my last quarterback, I, like I, I, I get why Patriots fans are feeling great. They, they think they got a good deal on Mac Jones. Mac Jones went exactly where he was supposed to go. He's in the middle of first round, end of first round quarterback with limited upside. He's smart. Belichick. I, I, he's one of those guys where I'm not going to bet against them. The simple fact that, yeah, it's probably going to work out for him. But again, what do we know about the Patriots? They drafted one good, good quarterback the last 20 years. And his name was Tom Brady. And that was in the seventh round. These people, it's not like they're a franchise of gurus where they keep pumping out great quarterbacks. You can go through the list. Sure, you can say Jimmy was a good quarterback. Was he really? The guy can't stay on the field. So it's just one of those where none of these teams have the exact science. So early on, like especially after I watch so much film, we talk about all the time going into the rookie year. There's going to be one or two of these quarterbacks that are going to succeed this season. Last year at Herbert. I mean, we could say what we want about Joe Burrow. We don't know because he got hurt and he was passing a ton every game. But Bo- Burrow looks pretty good. He looks like he's going to be a starter in this league. Like he's tough. He's intelligent and he makes really good throws, but Tua, we don't know that that guy could be a bust. So that's the thing. It's like, we all have high hopes for these picks, but you have to actually watch them play and see how they surround them where it's like, I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of things where it's like, I'm obsessed with fields and I love them to death. And I, it's like, this guy's upside is so tremendous, but like you just went through with Nagy. I, I'm just worried. I'm just worried about the situation he's going to that. It's a GM that's on a hot seat. It's a coach that's on a hot seat. It's a lot of turmoil where at least with Zach Wilson, you got a brand new head coach who's safe for the next couple of years and you have a GM who is just supporting him. He literally drafted an O-lineman last year, drafted another O-lineman this year in the first round. I just, it's like two things where it's like, I don't know which one I'm going to bank on, who I'm going to be betting futures on. But right now for me, if, if you are going to make me pick like a rookie year bets and you want to start getting into that stuff. Yeah, my favorite upside bet right now is probably Fields. But Fields has been bet up so high now, there's no value there because the number's just been bet up by all these Bears fans. So I love it, Chad. I'm, like, excited for you. I'm happy. I don't want you to be like, this guy's ruining my life. I'm just laying you out the history. So you know in four years when we're sitting here, it's just like, okay. I mean, it, it, he was right. But it's, it's just one of those things where it's who really knows. To your point about the turmoil, like that is one thing that could get filled. Historically, if you look at the quarterbacks who tend not – to pan out. And there's, you know, something of a self-fulfilling prophecy here, but the quarterbacks who have to endure regime changes, whether that's, you know, new coaches coming in, new general managers coming in, those situations tend not to work out for the quarterbacks. They, they need continuity. That's one thing that I think Mac Jones probably will have going for him with the Patriots is I expect there will be continuity there for the foreseeable future with him while he develops with fields. If it doesn't work out this year, and Nagy is fired, then you just have to start over again next year with Fields, and that will set him back. So that is the one thing that you have to hope for, that everything works out for him this year and that he's good enough, the team is good enough for Nagy to get another year, and then they can keep on progressing with the system that he's in right now. Do you know what I love? Uh, I love that the the celebration – images, videos, whatever, from the stiffest, most uncomfortable NFL team execs and scouts who like when they draft their precious 21-year-old wide receiver or lineman or running back or defensive back or quarterback, they're high-fiving each other, they're hugging each other. Like it's exactly what they wanted when not everybody gets exactly what they want. And, but they will, they will tell you 
this is perfect. It's exactly how we saw the board playing out. We knew this guy was going to do this. We knew this guy was going to do this. And if this guy ended up in our laps, we were golden. And then they will celebrate as if it's the greatest moment of their lives. And they just look silly. The whole draft process has revealed itself to be unscientific, completely steeped in emotion. And I lose so much respect for these scouts and GMs every year because it seems like they know less and less about how to do their jobs. I'll just counter that real quick. If you look, they are pretty good. Like if you look at the history of the quarterbacks, the stars in the league and what rounds they're taking in, they nail it. Like over half the league are first round picks. So like they're, they're pretty good. But of course, there's always going to be ones that slip through the crack where it's like, you know, Dak or Russell Wilson, these guys that go third, fourth round. But I would say, for the, like you're just saying, it is a crapshoot. Like most of these teams, like the most painful video forever will be the Vikings celebrating getting <laughs> uh, the Eagles pass and took Rager last year. And when they got Jefferson, they just played that on a loop of the Vikings being like, wait, who they take? Wait, what they do? And they traded up and they took that. That As an Eagles fan, those, those videos can be very painful. So I know what you mean, though. It is ridiculous them celebrating sometimes. They're totally yeah, silly. All right, before we go, we got to go. But before we do, um, I would like to know, did anything that happened in the draft change your opinions about Super Bowl futures for any team? Friedman, you first. Yeah, three, three teams that catch my eye, the Dolphins, the Chargers, and the Panthers, uh, all at long odds. All three of them had very good, very sound drafts. They didn't reach and they filled significant positions of need. So if you want to bet on you know, a team that's further down the board, those are the three that catch my eye. Agree with you on the Chargers. As we know, I've already bet a third of the NFL teams uh, on NFL futures. The only one that I currently feel good about, the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I, I did as well. Like a Friday morning, I woke up and they were still 4-0-1. And I think that was because of the Rodgers stuff with Denver, which I know we didn't get to, but I do think that's complete BS. But uh, it gave me good odds. It, it bumped the charge all the way up to 4-0-1. So I took that. And then uh, Friday morning, I took the Browns again. So the Browns were plus 1,000 to win the AFC. I didn't do Super Bowl because I didn't love the odds. I didn't think they were as great. Plus 1,000 to win the AFC. I like those odds. So I took the Browns as well because I thought they just had a great draft. Their defense is just stacked. So lo- love what the Browns are doing. Well, listen, the good news is it's May and we have many months to talk about rookie of the year odds, conference odds, Super Bowl odds, uh, MVP odds, um, uh, divisional odds, uh, season win totals. Now that the draft is done, now that free agency is done, we're going to get OTA soon. We're going to get mini camps. We're going to get training camps. Like we got a full off season of NFL joy and a lot more to cover. Matthew Friedman, I guess, thank you for joining us. Simon Hunter, my BFF, always thank you for joining us. This has been the favorites from the volume podcast network. We will be back on Thursday with the Thursday Thunderdome, the best sports trivia podcast in the podcast world. Download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, love you.